Stacy and I'm Norma and we're Black Girls with Accents. Welcome back everyone. Hello everyone. So welcome back to season two episode four of Black Girls with Accents and today we are going to be discussing episode three of the Steve McQueen Small Axe series. And this is um, the episode Red, White and Blue. Uh, it chronicles experiences of a young man who enters the police force to uh, try to integrate the police force after his father has been brutally attacked, unfairly or unjustly attacked um, by some police officers and is on trial uh, as the perpetrator of uh, resisting arrest and um, creating disturbance. And the young man in question, the protagonist, is um, not only extremely intelligent, he was a scientist, a researcher, um, but he is obviously very courageous because whereas others might respond to their father being physically assaulted by the police with anger and kind of spend the rest of their lives um, against the police, this young man actually sees this as a catalyst to instigate change in the police force and to kind of broker peace and understanding between the black community and the white community and law enforcement. And a lot is revealed in this journey and it really speaks to a number of questions, one of which is, can you, how do you change the system? How do you change racism and can you change it by um can you change that system from the inside or mm. or do you have to have a different strategy yeah just um just watching the episode alone made me think and realize that um i don't like growing up and even thinking right now I don't have a direct family member that's in the police force or like, yeah, yeah like police force is not, um, I don't like growing up. I don't remember seeing it as like, um, the evil ones. There's just a couple of times that I've just been extremely pissed at how they handled us as like a, as a crowd, as a young black crowd. Um, but it, they were never something that I was scared of the way I feel like you have in America, like, or oh, right. the way I have now that I, my, I have two sons. So now I, I, I do worry more about it. Right. Um, but you, yeah, that's what the first thing that made me, the episode made me realize that I do not have family members that I direct family members that I can think of that are, uh, officers. Yeah. Interesting. My thought, I had a couple of thoughts, one of which is where I grew up um, in Hertfordshire, as I've said many times, very small. So in England at the time, police officers didn't carry guns. All they had was their truncheons, like a stick kind of thing. All they had was truncheons. Mm -hmm. And um, where I grew up, I, they may have been mounted on horseback. I can't even remember, but it was like, I think one police officer that I can remember that I don't think anyone even really took seriously if I, if I, recall, if I recall um and we did have a direct we did have a direct uh incident with the police um hmm. 
my father was um, suspected of being a uh, drug dealer, mistakenly, um, uh, around, I don't know, maybe three or four o'clock in the morning, the police um, knocked down our door, literally kicked down our door, kicked in our door Mm. and rushed up the stairs uh, to arrest the wrong man. It was not my father they were looking for. They were looking for somebody else. Um, I remember it vividly. I remember, um, but all, first of all, the, the banging and then the police officers. <clears throat> yes. And then Drama. the kind of fear in our eyes. I mean, they didn't have guns drawn because there weren't any guns, but just that fear of, quote unquote, the authority at your door. The only other mm-hmm. time the police came to our door, which is very interesting, back then, if a relative of, if a relative uh, overseas had passed away, the police would come to inform you, which is very interesting. Mm. So the police had been to the, our door before to tell my father that his um, father had passed away. Uh, mm. So we we had seen the police at the door before, but this was different, right? And we knew that this wasn't, um, they weren't coming in peace. And we were and puzzled, like, why are they kicking in our doors? Nobody here is committing any crimes. And I remember the fear in my dad's eyes, the confusion first of all, mm-hmm. then the fear he's got his children there um, and he has nothing to defend himself, right? He can't defend himself with anything. And then after like barking series of questions, they realize, oh, sorry, we've got the wrong house. And that's it, right? That's it. And I remember yeah. it was written up in the newspaper. <laughs> my dad was in the newspaper. Because where we lived, it was a big thing. It was such a small yeah. place where we lived. It was like a big deal that this had happened, right? Gave us a little bit of uh, yeah. fame on the on, in the neighbourhood because this was just, you know, unheard of, an intrusion and an invasion. And unlike in America where you sue for everything or you demand apologies and things, it doesn't work like that. Not back then. It was just like, this is what happened and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, move on. Right, yeah. and you know your friends at school were like, "Oh, we heard, uh, we heard about you know whatever happened." Oh, your dad's in the newspaper, but and that's about it. But um, that that stayed with me, and I've never, I've you know, obviously in America it's a lot different, and the long history, and it's not to suggest that there's no. I mean, even in, you know, our parents are from the Caribbean and South America and there are tensions obviously with Mm -hmm. the police force regardless of where you live even in Jamaica the police and the local community and it's a very troubled relationship because of all the corruption so I think it's the same everywhere Mm -hmm. but when you add the racial dynamic it does make things it and given the histories and thinking about who's been in power and who hasn't um it does create these tensions and in the series um it would be like if i decided after what happened to my father that i was going to now join the police force so the police force um could have a better understanding they could have a some racial sensitivity that they could not treat all black people as criminals this is kind of exactly this is his um mo this is his strategy and it's a very lonely strategy because he's the only one. And we know in many different occupations, uh, our parents and grandparents had to be the first to 
work in um, hostile environments. Um, And it's sad to say that in the 21st century uh, that we're still seeing people who are the first to break into (laughs) industries. And in, in the case of small acts, it's complicated by the kind of the insidious nature of racism, but by the fear mm-hmm. and the um, power of these employees. Unlike a nine to five job where you may have to deal with a supervisor Readiness and um, salary um, differences. Yeah. yeah, your your life though is not in jeopardy unless you're on a construction site or something like that. In this yeah. particular case police officers operate according to a a fraternal uh, code of conduct, right? We protect Mm -hmm. our own. And given the nature of the suspicion and contempt for this lone black officer, at first he has an Asian, fellow Asian officer, news recruit along with himself. Um, Given their contempt for their... um, audaciousness by joining Mm -hmm. the police force they do not get the not just the respect but the protection the protection was really uh blew me away and um because it was coming from both sides so because his parents his dad especially was also not happy about his him chasing this this career change and so I, I felt like that loneliness was was what stood out to me the most. Like not only do is you at home, people are not uh, agreeing with you, and then at work you're in this hostile environment where you also can't count on anybody. And I thought that was very uh, frustrating. I actually just now realized that he did have a, a wife or a girlfriend, but I realized that 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 role didn't come across as strong for me. Like, I, I really felt like he didn't, ha- or I should say, not the role, but I didn't feel like he had a safe haven, although I wonder now if that was supposed to be the safe haven. She supported it because when he was reaching his breaking point, so, you know, he is, he goes through his training, he's smarter than his peers, he's faster than his peers, yet he doesn't get the promotions he deserves, yet he's... um you know, constantly up against racist, not just Mm -hmm. uh, verbal assaults, but also um, they leave him in in, uh, dangerous situations without backing up, etc. So when Mm -hmm. he reaches his point, his boiling point, he does, he expresses like he's had enough and it's actually the girl, it's his wife actually, who, not girlfriend, yeah, who says... Like, no, if you give it, throw in the towel now, they've won. It's important to note that she is South African. Mm. Because I think that what they're trying to do is show that the struggle, right, in South Africa to break, to break, the, yeah, mm-hmm. break the boundaries, to fight. You have to fight no matter how, how hard it gets. I think that was the point there. To, to your point, I don't know if it was flushed out. Uh, well enough, I think that that was supposed to be the point. She was the bridge between the family and the bridge mm. between um, his efforts to integrate the police force and yeah. uh, the frustra- frustration he felt as though he was on a, a journey on, on his own. 
Yeah, I think that's what I kind of, that's probably what I picked up the most, that the journey was so, such a lonely journey. Um, and the fact that if you're, so when you're in those type of spaces, right, like um, as the only one, and you're trying to convince this group that you're working with that, well, what are you convincing? I guess that you're good enough, that, just, <clears throat> that you deserve to be here, that you are just as capable. And like the thoughts that I'm having with that is sometimes that, like how much does that actually take away or add to the job that we're doing? Because you're constantly thinking like, so there's the job, whatever the job may be. And then on top of that, I have to think about proving to you that I can do this job that you, that's the only thing that the, that the other group gets up to do every day and go to, that I can do it as well as you, but clearly better because there's more effort put, being putting into it. And I just, it just stayed with me like um, that. I think I would have, not only do I think I would have given up, I, I feel like a, what what are we doing this for? Feeling always comes um, over me. Um, right, right. But and at the same time, I totally understand why somebody sticks it out. I totally understand that over time and in some way, it had to have made a difference. But I, I'm personally, I, I get that like, you know what? Never mind. Type of feeling. <laughs> well, I, the reality is. Someone has to be the first, right? Mm-hmm. Someone has to turn the blind eye. They have to deal with the 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 uh, micro the microaggressions. They have mm-hmm. to deal with the slights. They have to deal with the hurt feelings. Someone has to be the person to do it. Um, yeah. They have to have the courage to do it. They have to have the um, integrity. I mean, it's a test of character and it's a test of will. Mm-hmm. I do think that what yes. the, I think there's a moment in the in the film where he he I think is questioning as well like what's the point of all this I don't see the yeah. change but change doesn't necessarily reveal itself immediately there's a process More I, in your lifetime yeah yeah it's process yeah um, he made way for somebody else and I do think that the the individuals who were um, harassing him, the fellow police officers who harassed him, I think that they were shamed sometimes. They may not have wanted to admit that. You don't in a group, right? Because if you are the perpetrators, then you stick together and you you support each other's view. Mm-hmm. But alone on your own, you do have to think, wow, I left another police officer to fend for themselves what if that had been me or yeah you know your moral conscience kicks in at some point not for everybody but yeah. at some point and and those who don't necessarily participate are still culpable by their silence makes them culpable and those yeah. are the ones who are silent i think are the ones whose um consciousness is 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 most uh in flux because mm-hmm. They don't want to say anything in support of the bullies, but yet they're not saying anything. And I think that they they have more of a guilty conscience about it because the ones who are committing the crimes can stand behind their bravado and 
mm-hmm. they can they can um, dupe themselves into believing that they don't care with their language and their actions. It's the ones yes. who are silent, who I think have can't sleep at night. Yeah, I'm tying in something that is not completely the same, but I remember. Oh my God, it's um, it was somewhere in the middle of the country. Um, when they call it flyover states, and the the it was a white teen, and he had this sign called that said Black Lives Matter, and so he filmed at how often people were yelling things at him. Yes, right? I remember. The in whole the day long, people yelled things yeah. and blah, blah blah, and then at the towards the end of the 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 recording, this other kid walks up to him. And gives him a note, and the note says, "Keep doing what you're doing." I like, mm-hmm. and the, but not out loud. Right. So everybody else is screaming, but and it was just this, this kind of like lanky teenager that just walked over and handed the note and walked off. And I thought that I so just now when you were saying that, it made me think of that because that was probably the best that they could do. Yeah muster up the note but i was like but that's a change one is allowed one is there to stand with a sign and there's one that's like yeah uh like i'm like i'm imagining that the two of them having children not raising them that way exactly. like at least acknowledging to their kids like don't say that exactly. or don't yeah exactly but in the no. steve mcqueen that he has nobody <laughs> there's nobody mm-hmm. there's not a single person in that police station no. That says, you know, oh, just ignore them. You're doing okay. That nobody. He really is on yeah. his own. I mean, and, and to your point, there's one guy in his eyes that you like. Just like how you described, in his eyes at times you can tell, or like, you know, like his away. body language, but not. There's nothing being said. Right. Um, I was thinking back to when you what you were saying about, like police when like being in the Netherlands and, and or in Europe and thinking about how I felt about police or uh how I felt about like would I call on them if something was wrong or um I'm really going over those feelings and I realized that they're not initially my first line of oh my god I need help I'll, mm. I'll call police even even when I was in the Netherlands I don't feel like that would would be my response necessarily probably my parents or family members and another difference that I realized that so in the in the US and in Europe I think I I have a, a hesitance towards them because of my skin color but what I've noticed is that in Suriname I have a hesitance against them as a woman I do not feel supported as a woman there. Like, if something happens, I, like, I don't feel like they care about, like, the, like, yeah, like... Culturally, the, a cultural thing. Culturally, like, yeah. Like, my, um, I had an, the, an incident in, in Suriname, and we were really supposed to go to the police. And... um I kept talking to one of my other friends about it, and they were like, "Don't go to the police over there. Like, just go. If anything, report it when you come back to the Netherlands." And that, that I agreed with with him in that moment because I realized, like, yeah, it's not gonna. Not only was it not gonna do anything, the person I was fighting against 
was was like friends with a lot of police right. officers. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that so then I, that's that's something that that I did want to express that unfortunately like in when I'm in Suriname, it's also not necessarily um, even though they're all mostly uh, black men, it's not. Um, a group I seek out for safety. It's very interesting. Very, very yeah. interesting. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I, my, this summer was difficult. It's difficult in America, but it's difficult in England. It's the, the statistics guess the mm. population of black people in the UK is much smaller, but the, mm. um, tensions with police and police uh as we saw from the mangrove nine episode one of small acts there's been a long Mm -hmm. history of police brutality and so there's a lot of mistrust and um even still today with with the police um yeah which is you know i don't think it's going to change anytime soon i mean although the police office uh, the police uh, force is certainly more integrated today, uh, obviously, than it was um, back in the 60s and early 1970s. And then even thinking about how yeah. the black community, uh, how they responded to him, because he was a police officer, but his allegiance was to the community. He wanted yeah. to save those young kids on the street and... It's very clear we see in the um, episode how they turn on him. I mean, they every yeah. time we see someone black, they're like mumbling, like, well, actually not mumbling. They're shouting out bounty, coconut, um, derisive, yeah. derisive statements um, because they're disgusted. Like Babylon, like who would join the police when the police are against our community? The police do nothing to support us. They don't do anything to... Um, um, mediate between the white supremacists who are burning down our property and beating up our mm-hmm. young men. Um, so he is in this precarious position because the community is not in support of this, and neither is the police force itself. And also, like he see, he joins with that mindset, right? But what I've noticed of like speaking, like, like comparing to what our summer in twenty twenty. And speaking to uh, my uh, friend who's uh, Spanish descent, and she was explaining that um, her cousins who are police officers and are uh, Trump voters, and like, and she was like, because they identify as white. Yeah. And so I, and then I'm thinking of like other black people that I that I've encountered that maybe look down on other black people who have less income or like, and so I'm like, who are these people that are joining and what's the mindset? Because unfortunately there's a lot of, not all, what what is it? Not all skin folk are kin folk. So that, that also makes it hard for me sometimes. Or if I'm watching these officers, like, um, like, stand to like when they're, when it's a protest, black lives matter protest, and the steps of the Capitol have police officers or uh, the National Guard, and it's full of people of color. And I'm so, I'm, and it's just like, 
And then the, the, the sentence always becomes like, I have to do my job. And yeah, and so it's, but then what about when the, when they stormed the Capitol and you guys didn't react as fast as possible? Are you still doing your job? Like, what is the mindset of those people of color? Not only black people, like any, to me, to me any minority group. And so that's really confusing to me. So I, yes, I agree that the, the you know, thank God there's, uh, you can encounter somebody that stops you that actually has your skin color and kind of feel more safe. But then I, I've, I know exactly, like I know immediately who I'm against to as soon as they speak to you, no matter what the skin color is. Well, right. Well, it depends on, right. So I believe that people, regardless of their race, not all, not all police officers, but I believe that many mm-hmm. see that uniform as they believe that that uniform gives them the right to be the judge, jury, and executioner. Mm-hmm. That's not their right. Their right is to stop you, to interrogate you, and then to charge you, or to, excuse me, to um, arrest you yeah. and to, and to charge you. But it's the, there's a whole process in this country where you're supposed to then go before a judge to determine if those charges are upheld and to determine what your punishment should be. It's the punishment mm-hmm. part. They go from stopping to punish. And that's not, yeah. their, that's not their job. It's not their job to punish. And that's the way they're trained. I believe that that's how they're trained. Yeah. They're trained to punish, not to listen to the situation. Things escalate, and we've seen all the videos. From what I've mm-hmm. seen, things escalate because they don't care for the way someone speaks to them. So what? We, we don't have yeah. to be respectful to you. That's We don't have to be respectful to you. Yeah. We have to obey the law, but obeying the, obeying the law doesn't say that I can't have an attitude. I got, I got beaten yeah. by the police in this country when I first came here because... I didn't like the way they were, they were pushing some students, carrying on. And so I was like, can't do that to people. And they were like, oh, yes, we can. And we'll include you too. Mm-hmm. And they pushed me down and they beat me um, and, mm. and broke the tendons in my knee. Um, because I spoke up okay. because I couldn't believe the way they were treating people. So you're, you're, you become... Uh, a victim of their abuse when, mm-hmm. like a Sandra Blonde, for example, could have sold mm-hmm. the knee, when you are unwilling to... I don't think anyone's willing. I don't think any. I don't think everyone... I don't think people who are arrested are just like sheep. But there's certainly yeah. a difference of how they treat people of colour versus how they treat uh, mainstream white society who we've seen say all kind of stupidness, argue with them, and nothing happened. Doss things at them, steal their cars, like, and (laughs) nobody's going to shot. And they can just go home. They get to go home. We don't. Mm -hmm. So there is a, no matter who's wearing the uniform, there is this attitude of, I'm God. I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to obey everything I say. No, do your damn job. That's, That's the problem I have. 
Um, and I think it's yeah. not no longer just an American thing. I think that I think actually people in other countries are watching what they do here, and um, they are really kind of taking some notes. Uh, you know, community policing used to be a thing. I hear. Mm-hmm. Well, where I grew up, I mean that little old that little man on his own. There were no real threats where we lived, but no one felt threatened by him, and he didn't. I'm sure didn't feel threatened by most people. I mean, maybe like like the yeah. the older teens who were gonna kind of challenge authority. Mm-hmm. But I see police here, and and sadly, um, I don't think favorably. Obviously, because I've had from my childhood to my yeah. young adulthood uh, altercations with the police. Um, I, I have had instances where, whether I was stopped for something or, you know, like car light was out or I've had some exchanges where things went okay. I tend to be, you know, just like, I'm not hostile as well. Cause I just want it to be over. Mm-hmm. So I'm polite. I, um, you know, I just acquiesced yeah. in the situation Make sure nothing is unnecessarily escalated. Don't even let it get there. Very high. Here's my license. Here's my registration. Keep it to a minimum. You know, I try not to have an edge in my voice, which is hard. Mm-hmm. But um, so it could just be over. I don't mm-hmm. allow that. I don't give them a chance to do their performance of I'm in power. I don't give them a chance yeah. to do that. I guess and the last time that I got stopped, I, I like because it was so like there was three um, stop signs in a row, and she claimed that I didn't stop at the second one. So as soon as she said it, I was like, "Well, that's a bold face lie." Like it just came out because I was like, "That doesn't make any sense. Like, why would I not stop?" Right. And I and and somebody crossed in front of me, so I was like. When the I said where the Jewish man crossed in front of me, and she said yes because it, you know when you're you're not paying attention to, and I said well that's a bold face lie, and she didn't answer and she was like well you can come to court, mm. and I and and then they prolonged that. Four years I kept being said, you you know the date the yeah. change the date the change and I was like oh my god they basically want you to forget about this right. not show up yeah and then so. <clears throat> I had like two other friends who were like, do not make me forget about this. Put this in your calendar also. So I finally, I went and sat there the whole morning only for it to be done in like within a minute. I don't even know what Dismissed. happened. Dismissed. <clears throat> she probably didn't show up. Sorry. Yeah, she, she started talking and the judge said, this is ridiculous. Don't ever like, don't bring people like in here like this again. And I didn't even get to like really speak. <laughs> Uh, and it was over. And I was like, four years, a stupid wow. stop. And me sitting here this morning, wow. only to go through this. Wow. It was a waste of time. Right. And then I always think about people saying, like, they have to meet their quotas. Yes, so things do. like that, like, are, 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 always make me think of, like, almost anything, any corporation, any um, establishment, like, we are, we think it's this one thing. And then, right. or like, if I, I feel the same way about education. We think it's this one thing, but then on the inside, they're taught a completely different thing. Right. And right. and so what they're what they're giving or what their daily 
input is into that job is completely different of what I, as an outsider, think the 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 job is supposed to be or what it means to me as a, as a civilian, I should say. Right. right. Um, yeah, so um, from, the, from that episode, th- those are the things that have brought up for me. Um, his, his loneliness, but then also what does it actually mean to do that job when you're in it? Um, then, then, and I'm, I am comparing it to American officers that I've seen. I'm like, which group, in a way, do you feel like you belong to more? I know it's your income. I understand that. But then what morale happens for you inside of your head? Like, um, when you do see that it happens, when you do see that people are getting shot for no reason, uh, how do you, how do you, how do you stand with colleagues like that? Or how are we supposed to see you as like blue lives and blah, blah, blah. Well, I do think, um, I yeah. think that um, we saw that this summer, right? You saw police officers who were like, enough is enough. We stand with the protesters. There's a way to protest peace. Like you saw people breaking with the fraternal order and saying, mm. we don't, we don't condone this, that this is not why we got into law enforcement, that we understand mm. that our job is to protect, it's to protect, to protect the people, not to kill the people. Um, and serve them. <laughs> right. Um, and so I think it is, uh, for some police officers, it is a, um, it's a fine line and it's a, it's a difficult, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's not a difficult job. And we see that, it's you know, I don't, job. I don't condone or applaud when you hear that someone's killed them, ambushed them. I don't, you know, I don't like any of that either. They're human beings. I think mm-hmm. what the, the, the film is trying to show is that we're human beings too and at that particular moment and still today we fight we fight to be accepted to we fight for our humanity to be recognized I also mm-hmm. just want to say that um, before we wrap I also want to say that one of the other things that the film does and I think this is consistent with all the films is to also talk about other tensions and so we mm-hmm. see there's tensions between within that household right this is a very disciplined young man and the reason why he's able to successfully complete his training in the police academy and to also endure all of the harassment is because of how he was raised by his parents in a very conservative home uh his father breaks at one point because the father is very stoic very typical He's a very stoic man. His relationship with his wife is very, it's, it's very typical, but problematic. We can get into that another time. <laughs> uh, but she's seen and not heard, basically. Yeah. And um, so the, the boy is also, there's an advantage to how he was raised in that this kind of discipline and integrity and grit and, and all that's great. But we see the dynamics in his own household, how that there's a loneliness in that family in general, to go back to what you're saying about loneliness. Yeah. The father himself is lonely. You know, yeah. he rules like a dictator with an iron fist, but that makes him lonely too. And we often see that the sister and the mother are out, simple things like bingo or church or whatever. Yeah. But that leaves him feeling lonely. And because he is unable to express his feelings and his frustration, his hurt, his disappointment, that then is channeled into this gruffness 
and uh, alien, kind of alienating himself from everybody. But there is yeah. a, a wonderful moment that he, that he, when the son first enrolls in the police academy, he's stewing, he's annoyed, but then he wants to be the one to bring him, to drop him off. And oh, then they hug, yeah. and you don't, you don't see that a lot. Black mm -hmm. men in particular, Caribbean, yeah. Caribbean men. Um, I didn't actually say the words I love you to my dad till he was on his deathbed. Just not how we were raised, just not you don't yep. show emotion. And some of that is a result of colonialism, which we can talk about yeah. another time. Um, but it does create these tensions in families. And so McQueen, as he does with many of the films, is bringing in these other elements too, doesn't really do a deep dive on them. But they're there as well as part of the overall story, and the and the angle of the is it a cousin? I think it's a cousin who is more artistic. Yes, yes. And I thought that was very important because that kind of that reminded me of a lot of things that you are not seeing as serious. Um, right. Maybe now, but definitely not while I was growing up. Right. For taking an artistic route. You're wasting time. You're wasting your whole whatever being. Right. And to see that the only person that seems to have some genuine happiness is the artistic person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah, the singer. Yeah. Yeah. And he lives and his life when, freely. Yeah. yeah. When um and and also brings joy to the police officer, which is shut down by the dad. <laughs> yes. It's the opposite, right? It's antithetical to manliness yeah. and being yeah. serious and making a contribution. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent point. I think McQueen, yeah. McQueen is very... Um, I love the way he puts together his stories. And mm -hmm. I think I think there's definitely some influence for Spike Lee, but unlike Spike Lee, he tries to cram 50,000 things into one story. I think McQueen shows much more restraint and so he's able to execute kind of the main... Yeah. main story but then layering it with these other subtext and McQueen it's it, it I have to give McQueen that it's in the detail too yeah the details are so well done that it brings out what you need to know about um the heritage of the people that you're watching and um it, you know it, it, it is black people but like for me there's a distinct difference between um the first episode and the second episode is uh, Lover's Rock is clearly Jamaican descent. And I felt like that was very well done throughout the series. Um, and it's because of the details. Yeah. So then, even though we're like all Caribbean descent, we have all these different ways. And I could tell like, oh yeah, they used them here. or they, And yeah, so in the details for me, that's where I sort of see the big difference between what I would consider... Um, Lee's work and uh, Mr. McQueen's good point, work. Yeah. Good point. But in this piece, we could say that even though the officer is black, he could be Jewish, he could be yes. Italian, he could be a trans, trans person. Like you could Arabic. Put, yeah, you could put many people in his shoes and the story mm -hmm. would, would resonate just as, just as strong. Um, yeah, so it was, a, it was yeah. a great, another great episode. Probably, and I think uh, John Voyego plays the lead. I think he is actually nominated for a couple of yeah. awards for his performance in that piece. I think it's a piece that's probably the least spoken about for obvious reasons. Please aren't the most um, <laughs> favorite these days. Sorry about all that dinging. Um, but um, I think it is the, the episode that is 
probably most uh, uh, I think it is the episode that is least referenced by people for obvious reasons but I mm-hmm. think it's, uh, it's 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 well done as well done as, as any of the other pieces definitely it's a very strong episode and what I well that goes for each of them I like how this, the stories are complete but you know after you watch them that there's still a lot of work to be done <laughs> yes right because it's one of my favorite things about how the stories are told they're yeah. not they're not closed ended and we don't know what's going to happen if he's going to leave the force or stay um and that's a good thing right because we know mm-hmm. his- history tells us what happens so yeah, yeah. all right <laughs> We so, agreed on both of it, which is the, I always I was like when I think we might have um, completely different perspectives, but in this in with these films though I think we'll mostly end up having very similar ones, especially because they're in Europe. Yeah, I I'm actually so. I I have to say I'm pleasantly surprised at how how much resonates with me from these films that are uh, showing the time of um, England at that time. Right, right. Um, yeah, so I, that's one thing I enjoyed. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Thank you. Hope. We hope, and, and please send us your comments. Yes. You can follow us on Instagram, Black Girls With Accents. In Twitter, you can um, leave us comments, um, even on the under the podcast. We, and we love to hear from you. Um, this was We Have... Two more segments to go in the small X segment. So please watch the films, keep up uh, and engage and let us know what your thoughts are on, on these amazing, uh, I call them art pieces. So, <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.